Welcome to Ice Cream Man Conspiracy Podcast. My name is Kevin, and the first episode we're going to talk about Beelzebub's Tales to His Grandson, which is a, a very long book. It's a a good book. I I don't recommend it, but uh, it's a very interesting book. It's about uh, Beelzebub is a reptilian. Uh, this is was published in like 1950s, right? But he's like a reptilian uh, alien guy, and he's on a spaceship, and uh, he's traveling towards Earth, and he's telling the tale, the history of Earth to his grandson. Okay. So his grandson is a smaller reptilian guy, but Beelzebub lives for like thousands of years and stuff. And so he can see the history of Earth and how it changes over time, right? So this book is written by George Gurdjieff. So let me just go into Gurdjieff's life here a little bit. Uh, Around 1930s and 40s, he was pretty big, well-known in uh, esoteric circles and with the some uh the upper class people uh he was into uh, i would call him a sufi uh, but he studied all these different religions and he he traveled all over europe and parts of asia and i think down into egypt i'm not sure but he's very interesting gentleman uh he spoke like five languages and there's a bunch of good books about him uh one is called uh, what is that called? Well, there's one called Auspensky's Fourth Way, and it's written by Auspensky. And the Fourth Way is kind of about uh, Gurdjieff's, Gurdjieff's philosophical uh, ideology, right? That's essentially what it was. Um, he also wrote a book called Tertium Organum, which sounds complicated to say but turning organum is easy to understand and um, bring people into a new type of uh, intellectual understanding about the world and and dimensions you know you go from one dimension to two to three to four to five and so on right and that's what tertium organum talks about but George Gurdjieff was kind of into Sufism and he used to have these classes and he would travel around uh, the world and he would do classes for like uh, upper uh, wealthier people usually, typically. But what Sufism is, is a sect from Islam, which is a very peaceful sect and uh, they have a good history, but they're kind of into music and dancing and uh and traditional Islam doesn't really embrace that, right? So, Sufism, they they ha, um they do dancing, they do these twirls, right? So, they'll start twirling, twirling, twirling in the dance, and you probably see it online, you just don't know what it is, but they'll keep twirling, 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 and, and the idea is to facilitate a type of environment where, like, enlightenment can happen, right? That's kind of Sufi Islam, and they do meditation and stuff, right? And traditional Islam isn't really about meditation. It's more like uh, saying prayers, right? But uh, even though Muhammad, the Quran, was revealed to him while he was doing meditation in the cave, right? In Medina. Medina. But... Uh, so he was Gurdjieff. He was uh, 
he was into the Sufi Islam, but he was also a, like a Christian. I would say he was Christian. He followed Christian values. And he was also into um, the intellect a lot and the will, the willpower. So he said there was something like uh, Beelzebub the, calls the humans the three, uh, three brain beings. And they had, uh, what is it, three brain beans? Or three mind beans? No. Yeah, I think it was three brain beans. But this is a common thing throughout the whole book that he keeps going back to this point. Yeah, the three brain beans. And I don't really, like, one is like, uh, there's like wheels inside your body kind of. And you, in order to have a healthy body live for a long time, you got to... You got to spin the intellect wheel. You got to use your mind and then you have to use your body. That's another wheel, right? And then another one is, uh, I think, like feeling or something like that. You have to enjoy yourself, right? So if you got these three wheels spinning, then your body will be healthy and you can have a good life, right? Uh, he was, uh, Gurdjieff was kind of off topic about the book, but it's important to know the author because, uh, the author gives you a more almost like a lot of detail, man. Because people read books, they don't even know who the author is. Like, what's the author's agenda? What's their political bias? You know, blah blah blah. What religion are they? Right? People don't take this into account. Or have they been successful? You know. But uh, let's go back to the book here, and then I can keep talking about Gurdjieff. So, Bezel Bubs. On a ship, I think it's called Karnak, I could be wrong, but there's a spaceship called Karnak. And a giant spaceship, I don't really know the details, because Gurdjieff, he spoke, like, I think five languages, and he's very, he's a very good writer. Like, it's amazing the way it flows, and the simplicity, and easy to understand, right? However... In this book, he just goes on and on and on to get to the point. Like, um, he'll do like five pages just to get one point across, right? So you got to read this five pages of nonsense and kind of, but he does it in a way so he repeats the thing that he wants to get across. But in this book, he also makes up, uh, he makes up a lot of words, so there's probably a thousand words in there you never heard before, and there'll be like scars and bosom, and then uh, the way he was writing this book was he used to sit at a cafe every day and, and write. Well, yeah, I think in Paris and different cities, right? He go to a coffee shop and he write write his book, and. Um, Oh, he has another book called, I think, Seven Remarkable Men or something like that. That's a very good book. I would I would say that's even better than this book. But, um, yeah, it talks about seven remarkable men that Gurdjieff met in his life. And it talks about him going to the desert and sifting, like, monatomic gold in the sand to eat it and all this cool shit, like, uh, stuff that isn't commonly known and talked about, right? And, uh... He used to travel around, and at the time, there was, like, a Russian Revolution, right? So, he would hang out. If he was hanging around with uh, the wealthier people, they 
and there's like a lot of soldiers walking around and stuff like that. They wanted to keep a low key attitude, so what they would do is they would pretend to be poor by blowing their nose in their hand, right? So if they saw the soldiers, they would uh, blow their nose in their hand, and then the soldiers would think, "Oh, these are lower class people, right?" You know, um, they're like you know hide hide using bad etiquette, right, and to protect themselves. Um, what was I going to say? Okay. So yeah, fourth way is a good book, but he would travel around to different towns and he was obsessed with mastering his will and making his will strong, right? He would roll up into a town. He'd never been there and he would like rent a room or something. And then he put this sign. He would make a very nice sign about, I fix all this stuff, right? So he would put like 20 or 30 things he can fix up on this big sign. He would put in the town square and then the people would line up and they would all bring him uh, tools to repair and uh, whatever needed to be to repair furniture, stuff like that. They would leave it for Gurdjieff. And Gurdjieff would, he would go in the town with not much money and then he would work just like set up shop there and he worked like 18 hours a day people would bring non-stop all this stuff and he would fix all their all their tools and stuff like that then one town he he needed money so he, he took a horse tail he took a hair from a horse tail which is really long and strong right and he would put a lasso on it at the end of it and then he would catch he would feed birds and then he would catch them right and then catch the birds with the horse hair, and then he would, he would, it's kind of shady, but he would paint the birds, he would paint them in colors, and then he would sell them, right? And so people thought, oh, these are amazing birds, but then once the paint were off, then they find out, oh, it's just a regular bird, right? Starling, whatever. But that's how you'd make money sometimes, right? But, um, yeah, he ended up doing a lot of book tours, and... It's alleged that he had eight children with eight different women because he would go from town to town and um, he had a, like a, it was a small group and a lot of his people, uh, uh, the people that followed him, they all wrote books about him and what it was like living with him and stuff like that. And he would do kind of funny things, but um He's a very interesting character, like a medium height, portly, uh, like big, big uh, mustache, like uh, like like a Mister Clean mustache, you know, kind of Mister Clean with a with a black mustache and uh, a big belly and like a cigar smoker. I don't know if he smoked. Yeah, I think he smoked pipes and stuff like that. But a big. Big, big mustache. There's actually a video on YouTube you can see of George Gurdjieff. And it's black and white. And um, he was so focused on will. He wanted to work, work, work all the time and keep focused on a goal that he ended up uh, it ended up being bad for his health, right? So he had health issues. And, and that's what happened to him. And I think, yeah. But, uh, okay. So Beezlebub. He's traveling, and then he's telling his grandson, and he's, uh, they're explaining a lot about the different spaceships and the different type of engines they use, right? 
this book was like published 1950 so it's pretty interesting right and they had different types of engines that use different propulsion systems right and uh and he would talk about the planets and yeah we passed this planet then that planet then there's an asteroid belt and then as he's continuing to get closer to earth he's he's talking about the six times that he visited earth and and um uh, humans evolution and all that stuff right so one the two key points like that i got from this book that kind of relate to uh that tie into a lot of different things is uh he said at the time of atlantis right there was uh different people you might call them academics or whatever and they would they would have like different subjects and they would one guy he would just study math right so his whole life he'd be expert at math he'd study math another guy would study geography and another guy would study this and that right but they also had uh one subject they had was called mind manifestation okay so how you use your mind to change the world and influence the world right techniques so this was a subject of study right so yeah people would would focus on this and they would learn it and they would over their whole life they would try to perfect this and get better at it better at it right um then he he said, obviously, they said uh, Atlantis uh, was destroyed. I don't remember how it was destroyed in the book, but um, Atlantis, I think it was an island, he said, and uh, it was an island that blew up, and then I think from our mainstream history, we hear about this, and uh, there was like ice, uh, like a... Um, uh, ice age and uh, the population went down to like 15,000 or something like that right so like a, a human society comes from that small group of people right but I've heard that too but in the book okay but after after Atlantis falls then they said that the mind manifestation people they went underground okay and so um after all the chaos and stuff like that they never told the the people the commoners the people on the surface or whatever the regular town folk they didn't study this mind manifestation it just went down to a select group of people right at the time of atlantis and they kept it to themselves okay so this kind of ties into today's modern secret societies and stuff. This is a obviously a fiction uh, book, but it has a lot of religion and history tied to it, like actual history tied into this book. And I know Gurdjieff, he is a smart guy himself, and it's possible he could have learned a lot of secret society information. But in my opinion, you can't, if you release it as fiction, then you you can just, uh, you can't, sometimes people can release real information as fiction and get away with it, right? You know, because it's plausible deniability. You just say, oh, it's a fiction book. It doesn't mean anything. But sometimes I think these guys, these high-level guys can release books as uh, 
fiction when they are in fact truth, right? There's truth in them, but it's kind of my opinion, but okay. So then the mind manifestation people went underground, okay. And then this continued on. You obviously know that like a lot of the powerful families, you know, went to Egypt and then um, went to after Egypt fell, then they go to like a Rome, right? And then after Rome fell, then they go to Britain. And then after Britain kind of falls a bit, then they go to the U.S. And they, and they spread out, right? You know, whatever the burgeoning... Uh, rise of civilization as we've heard this before how the elites they have bloodlines and they trace them back through time right in my opinion uh, a lot of research i've done is i read a book about uh, masonry and it said um, the masonry is uh, egyptian king making ceremony right so it's an egyptian king making ceremony that only the royals and uh then i guess the upper priests would uh would do right but i think that the modern freemasonry a lot of the secret society stuff is, are they are modern egyptian priests that's what they do right and they they practice modern egyptian uh, priest rit rituals there's a, a egyptian god called Ptah, and he's a creator god he's the divine architect right he he speaks and the world comes into existence and uh there's also a guy that there's a god that masturbates he masturbates and creates with like that's like totally what uh they say like skull and bones and stuff like that they do these weird things but uh um Ptah and Ptah has a blue skull cap so like the Jew, Jewish people have a yarmulke or whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and then they say, well, that's a Jewish hat, but it comes from ancient Egypt, right? The Ptah, he has a skull cap that's blue. And then uh, modern uh, Roman Catholic priests, they have like a, a skull cap too, right? Well, that's Ptah. That's, that's his skull cap. He's got a blue skull cap, right? And he's the divine blacksmith. So, like, it's, like, tied into Freemasonry, right? And the Freemasonry, that they say, you know, yeah, we're, all they do is talk about ancient Egypt, right? It's all in your face, you know? Osiris and Isis, and these are all, like, uh, ancient Egypt things. And I think even the, the Joachim uh, and Boaz, I think that's back to ancient Egypt too, right? But, uh, okay, and another thing in this book, like, he tells, uh, the way it's written, I should have brought an example, but it's very kind of formal, like, a, it's like a townsperson telling you, like, a little bit of jokes and a little bit of history at the same time, so it's very, it's very, uh, has an uptone, it's very humorous, the, the book, the way it's written, but he goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on make, makes up some words like cars and plus and and then you're supposed to pronounce it out loud right but when he was reading this book uh when he was writing the book sorry um 
he would have his students uh, read parts of the book that he just wrote out loud, right? And then he would listen to them, and then he would uh, he would remember, and then he would go back and he would rewrite it again. And then he would get them to say it out loud again, a couple of chapters, and then he would listen to them. And then he would go back and he would re rewrite the book again. So he kept rewriting the book. Uh, he would listen to his uh, pupils talk about it, and then he'd go back, rewrite the book. And that's how the book was written, right? But it's a long book, 1,200 pages. I don't even rec recommend it, right? I think I'm only on 750. I haven't even finished the damn thing, but... I actually kind of gave up on it because I started losing interest because like a lot of the good details were in the beginning, but there was very spaced out, right? But okay, second coolest thing I got from that book is at the time of Pythagoras, which would be like 2600 years or something like that. I don't know the exact date, right? Uh, 2600 years ago um, Pythagoras if you know him he was like a academic philosopher but uh, kind of a spiritual per teacher you might say but before you became his student like this is like ancient Greece I think before you were even allowed to be a student you would have to do like 40 day fast so you would have to just before you were accepted to learn like mathematics and geometry and all these different things and there was different foods that you were allowed to eat and not allowed to eat like uh beans that made you flatulence gave you flatulence you weren't allowed to eat or something like that right it's really weird but at the time of pythagoras there was these group of academics or whatever type of people i don't know what you call them but uh they got together and they were like, you know, how can we, this, the, the library of Alexandria had just burned down, right? So they were, they were thinking, how can we get together and, uh, come up with an idea to keep this information for a long, long time, for thousands of years. We, like, it takes a long time for society to build up uh, information about the world and about this, the stars and astronomy and all this stuff, right? It takes hundreds, maybe even thousands of years to learn about the cycles of the stars and, and mathematics and building and all this stuff. So how can we protect this? Because what happens is one tribe will come in and just there will be a war and dominate the other tribe and wipe out the history from that tribe, right? So... And this keeps going on and on and on, right? So they're like, we need a way to encode uh, this history in in a certain way that it can go on thousands of years in the future. So what they come up with, they came up with seven different ways, right? And the seven di different ways are based on uh, the days of the week as well. They're, they're tied in. Um, so... But one of the different ways they're going to code information was in uh, architecture, right? So they were going to make buildings and they were going to design stone buildings and stuff like that with this coded information. So future generations um, would be able to look at those buildings, measure them, and find those formulas, like information, right? 
because if you look at a 2,000 year old building, you can measure it and you can, you know, they could even line up with the stars or whatever. Think of the pyramids and they lined up the pyramids with the stars and astrology and all this shit, right? So, um, that was one way they could do it. And uh, like a stone building can last 2,000 years, right? And you can put etched symbols into it or whatever, right? So that was one way they decided to keep information uh, going ahead uh, into the future. Because I, I know these elite people, they're obsessed with like astronomy and astrology, right? Of They follow the planets and they know all about it. And they don't, they don't even like do things until the planets match up and then they do rituals and all that stuff like, like that. I'm not saying they're all bad. It could be the probably a lot of good. I think there's white and black magic in the uh, the elite class, right? I think a lot of them are doing uh, good people, but I think there's also we also understand there's negative forces too. But um, like sometimes energy is like universally neutral, right? No, it's not saying it's good or bad as well, right? But um. So, the second way they wanted to encode information was through, like, art, like, colors and uh, paintings and uh, theater and stuff like that, right? So, they were going to have these plays and by uh, doing the plays in a certain way, you know, like a same type of storyline. Like, if you look back, um, the Egyptian gods... They were like each each had a was a planet, right? They were um, each uh, god was actually a planet, you know. And then it goes on to ancient Greece, and same thing. Like Zeus was the sun or whatever, right? Apollo was the moon, and fucking Mercury, and then all these guys, right? These these were all gods are related to planets, right? And then they had their stories about, you know, yeah, they they had sex and then they had a child. Well, that could be like a conjunction of a planet or something, right? But, and then you go on to Rome and then they had their Roman gods that were named after planets too, right? Saturn and all that stuff, right? And, uh... Then some people even think that Christianity, 12 disciples, those 12 signs of the zodiac, and there's all kind of uh, astrological astrological uh, information encoded in the Bible. When you think about bulls and fish and all this stuff, this is all signs of the zodiac. you probably heard this before, astrotheology, right? Jordan Maxwell, he covers this pretty well. There's other people that cover it well. I don't know much about it, though, but I just know the general gist of it. But So then, back to the book, Beelzebub says that, and they, uh, they encoded information in different ways, and one of the ways was uh, holidays, right? So they could have a holiday on the 25th, right? No matter what type of culture you are, you just had this, it was an important day. If one culture faded away, you'd, you'd have a new culture replace it. But you'd have this, the holiday, would, the, the day, the December 25th, would still be a celebration, but for a different uh, religion, right? Or a different, different way of thinking, different culture. So, 
you can have all these re religions come and go and the same principles uh, remain at the center, right? There's very similar similarity in this. Um, even if you look into mythos, mythos, the culture, uh, the, I think the cult of mythos, that's very interesting too. And you have these same symbols going back like really far into history, like the bull, you know, the bull goes way back and it's like a Taurus astrology, the ram, right? Okay, so these are the the key points that I kind of got out of this book. And I haven't even finished the book. I'm only like page 750. So I kind of, I lost interest in it because the key points, like I, in the history of the earth, I, I got caught up to like Beelzebub gets caught up to like 1950 or something. And then, um talks about cars and all this stuff and then i kind of lost interest in it but i'm gonna get back into it and i will finish it of course but um overall maybe you get an audio book but i don't recommend this book but uh unless there are those are those two good nuggets i found in there but um it's not a dark book like uh you know the you sounds from the title like oh man this is like oh, devil worship or whatever right and I don't, I don't see it that way, but Beelzebub, or Gurdjieff, he wasn't that type of person. He was like more of a Christian, a Sufi person, right? And he was a very good person. That's, um, like, in, I don't think he was a criminal or nothing, but other than selling birds, he sold painted birds, you know, that was kind of a negative thing, but I think he mostly had a good reputation. He had his own issues, um... I don't think he was right on towards enlightenment, you know, he, the fourth way is not really an enlightenment thing is, but Sufi Islam is good, right? I don't think he focused on meditation as much as he should, but, uh, very interesting character. I think, uh, he talks about hypnotizing bulls or hypnotizing animals he used to be able to hypnotize animals or he knew somebody that could hypnotize animals i'm not sure but he has some good stories i would recommend uh seven meetings with a remarkable man that's a very that's a very good uh a very good book tertium organum is good and it's like a uh a scientific philosophical way of describing religion uh, that's what tertium organum is um osho he talked a lot about george gurdjieff too so uh if you're into osho he's very good at talking about different religions if you want to get a outside perspective on different religions osho read like over a hundred thousand books maybe one hundred fifty thousand books and he his whole life, his whole career, all he did was talk about different religions. But, uh, yeah, Beelzebub's Tales to his grandson. That I'm going to do different podcasts. I read a lot of books. Um, I'm actually, I was an ice cream man for eight years. Uh, Rainbow Ice Cream, Vancouver, Canada, right? Uh, I drove ice cream truck. Um, but I don't do that anymore. Um... The money's not consistent. It's not good enough, right? Sometimes it's good, but 
before I became Ice Cream Man, I did a lot of reading and a lot of meditation, and I read a lot of, like, probably a thousand books at least, but, uh, I'm gonna do my, um, I'm gonna do podcasts on whatever I want to talk about. I like, uh, I like going deep into some topics, and I can, uh, I read the Bible front to back, so I could do a podcast on the Bible, give my own interpretation. I uh, read the Quran front to back, I can do my own podcast on that. Bhagavad Gita, that's a big good one. Buddha, I would give them my take on Buddhism, and um, I'm all into conspiracy stuff, and but mostly spiritual and religion stuff, but uh, I also got my songs at the end of uh, my podcast, I'm going to play my songs, my artist name is Katie Frost, and you can check out our YouTube channel, Ice Cream Truck Wars on YouTube, uh, you'll see my clown face and us dancing around, so uh, a lot of doc, we got like 400 documentary films, just short clips up on that. And I got a cartoon, Ice Cream uh, Truck Wars cartoon. You can see, uh, you can see our video and uh, what goes on at Rainbow Ice Cream. And uh, yeah, and that's about it. So uh, thanks for joining. Um, I might do longer podcasts, but uh, I'm just going to go with the flow. All right. Cheers. Bye. If you don't know where you're gonna go Then you'll never ever get there If you don't know where you're gonna go Then you'll never ever get there If you don't know where you bubble I'm the rumble in the jungle The rap's a humble Keep it ripped KT's gonna fuck that bitch And pop a stitch Inside of your if face you KT's gonna spray gonna go. with mace It's just a motherfucking case I'm gonna pass it on to Big Tasty Y'all your bitches don't try to even chase me If you don't know where you're gonna go Then you'll never ever get there Go, then you'll never you ever get there. They call me Big Tasty. You see me on the street, you see me on the side. You know that I knew enough left and right to get by. You know that I'm gonna dress up and probably wear a tie and drink a Mai Tai. And you gotta know that I'm your guy and I like to get fly. Everybody knows that I'm a sipping guy that's Big Tasty. You've heard of me. You know I'm coming in loud on your MP3. Everybody kick off your shoes and wave to my friend because we're about to lay an egg that's gonna be a hen. Get there.